0: Hello, my friends around the world, and thank you for listening to another one of the Gun Show podcast presented by and C Global. And a lot of you already know what this is about, but, you know, I like to reiterate because we constantly have new listeners and new questions and new ideas, so I'll keep it short and sweet. But the Gun Show is about creating that humanness, that authenticity, reducing the skills gap, being just as proud of the person that makes the airplane as the person that flies the airplane, the person who's helping make in the medical parts as the person who's applying the medical procedures. So yes, engineering and manufacturing are incredibly significant. We really hope to inspire you on this show, possibly reduce the skills gap and introduce you to some of the amazing people around the world um, and some of the journeys that they've been through. Today, I have a really wonderful privilege to speak with my buddy, Julius. And Julius is out of Norway. He's the Global Business Development Manager for Smart Shift Robotics. So Julius, thank you so much for being a part of the gun show. You are very welcome here.
1: I am uh, happy to be here, Tony. And I've been looking forward to this um, senior show a lot of times. So this will be a fun talk.
0: Yes, I agree. And uh the first thing I like to just share and reiterate is the fact that we are a global podcast. We love to bring people on like yourself, so we're honored to have you and learn a little bit more about you, Julia. So, I guess let's start there, my friend. Let's start you know, some of us purposely got into the world of manufacturing and industry uh manufacturing and engineering, and some of us Fell into it on accident and ended up falling in love with it and everything in between. There's so many stories. So let's learn a little bit about you, Julia. Share your story with us.
1: Uh, If I could go back in time or sit here and go back in time, I find it kind of strange that I'm sitting in these shoes that I have. Um, I love what I do. I love where I am. Um, I got the biggest potential that I could ever see myself having in this position that I have. Um, but I've never been the bright school, light bulb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was more into sports when I was young. Uh, I was going to be an Alpine, uh, skier at the national team and travel the world and be, uh, in the Olympics and all that. So I didn't bother much, but school, to be honest, uh, I, I bothered that. Little that I actually didn't even go through college. I uh I uh got uh not sacked, but I jumped out of college before I got my degree because I didn't actually have any um directions of where I wanted to go in life. So that was not for me. So um I've been traveling around the world for a couple of years, backpacking. Um, doing a bunch of strange jobs from picking dates in Israel to being a bartender in Egypt and uh, the skiing coach in Chamonix and yeah, what have you. Um, so I, I lived the life. I had good fun. Um, you get a bit older, I come home again. I got nothing to fall back on, so I immediately fall into sales. That's kind of where I started. Um, I got a couple of different sales jobs over a couple of years, started my own store. Um, I got picked up pretty fast actually by the other side of the table, meaning selling to the store. So I, I started as a, uh, a sales manager and stuff. Um, did that for a couple of years started with the, uh, I had been bartend for a couple of years, so I actually had. A lot of interest in in the whiskey, the world of whiskeys. So I went to Scotland and did my whiskeys degree. Uh, worked as an ambassador for the Glenlivet and Jameson and a couple of other brands uh, for a couple of years. Um, again, time goes on. You get older. Uh, get back to what you're supposed to do in life. That's work and make some money and have a place to live. Uh, <laughs> went through a couple of of, of sales jobs again i got picked up from outside of this business to be honest i i i've been into you can call it technical sales but not in this range uh i got picked up by by a person uh i'll turn that around because i i i went through the yellow not the yellow pages where you had the ads for jobs and i was skimming yeah Yeah, I was going. Um, you kind of scooched them to the left all the time, and then suddenly I stopped and say something with the robots, like that was interesting. So you read through. Um, no, that's not for me. So I kind of go push them away, and I scroll back again because that was interesting. I went that. That's that's the future, isn't it? So I read through. I kind of read through the the lines and uh, in, in between the lines and saw that they actually need sales staff, not the technical. Quality in this position that was that we're hiring for. So um, I went to the interviews. I went three rounds. I actually ended up saying no to the position because I didn't want it because I felt it was too too technical uh, intellect for me. Um, the sales manager kind of asked me to start because he wanted me to start because I didn't have the technical quality. Um, to differentiate the, 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 uh, the different uh, positions, of course, you have in, in, a, in a company. Um, so I, I had the privilege of starting with the Universal Robots, ended up being Country Manager in Norway and Iceland, building up the system integrator and distributor network, working with OMEs, uh, basically starting from ropes. There were a couple of, couple of them who were out there, but uh, we, we scaled it up over three to four years massively. Um, that's the time where UR has its UR Plus platform exploding, and a lot of a lot of components come in there. Uh, if it's welding, or if it's vision, or if it's uh, yeah, whatever you have, grippers. And I find a guy here in Norway who became one of my system integrators. Boo um, Wind is an old sweet guy, seventy-two years old guy had his uh, machine shop for 40 years. Uh, I sent him out on a job. He was going to put in a a, um, uh, a UR somewhere and um, everything on the market gets too expensive. So he, he's developed some smart tool where it kind of goes, just goes click, 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 click and then suddenly change the tool on the robot. So when I see this, I, I, of course, I jump in and say, this is something you have to refine and commercialize because that's super valuable. So I've been working with UR, but I had him along with me, in my case, the the units from Buind, for almost four years. Uh, My time came to an end at UR, Uh, everything was established. I'm more a build-up guy. Um, And uh, this smaller company from Norway, people haven't even heard of Norway, uh, (laughs) making making, um, tools that are exceptional and can be the Goliath and... and uh, What's the other guy called? David and Goliath. Story. David and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I jumped aboard here for five months ago now, uh, and we've uh, set our goals on being um, uh, all over the continents, and we got there actually last month. So, now we're delivering to everything across the world on all continents. So. I'm pretty satisfied
0: with the trip so far. <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot to be excited about, I think, and good for <laughs> you. Um, what, a, what a great story and summary. So let's go back to some of the, uh, the the beginning parts there, and we'll move into the robotics, which I know everyone is excited about as well. Uh, all of our listeners love the automation world. Um, so let's start with college. Uh, I, I can empathize with you, my friend. Um, I, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. You. I uh, thought you were gonna be a professional athlete as well. Uh, I didn't actually finish college myself. I got, I got kicked out of three of them because I just couldn't sit in a classroom. I am with you one hundred percent and completely feel that story. So, um, tell us a little bit about, if you don't mind, that that uh, that skiing journey. Like, how how talented were you? How competitive was it? And. And how high up did you get before you mentioned you were a coach for a little while as well, right?
1: Yeah, um that was my 95% of my uh, awake hours uh, every day was skiing. That was everything I had. Uh I'm an athlete, uh, maybe it's my genes, I don't know. But uh I was pretty good. Um one of one of the best ones in my age uh, in in Norway. I skied a bit in uh, in Europe. Um, I was hopefully getting into the European uh, World Cup um, uh, team for out of Norway uh, but unfortunately had a downhill race where I skied ended up falling and when you have a hundred kilometers an hour and you fall and your Ooh. skis are, uh, your skis are tightened that much they, they don't fall off. So I remember waking up. Uh, I don't know 80 meters down the slope, and I kind of tried to stand up. It was hurting. I looked down and I saw my front binding on my left leg, and my back binding on my right leg going forward. And I said, "This could not be good." So the, the, the knee was twisted all the way around.
0: Oh uh,
1: man! Yeah, I, How... yeah, I kind of knew it was over then, like, there and then. So that's where it ended and. That's when it kind kind of goes up for you that you have nothing to fall back on because the safety net's not there. <laughs> you didn't go the college extra mile,
0: so right, uh, it
1: was a hard blow. <laughs> How old were you when that happened? Uh, 2020. 20, Wow, that's
0: incredible. And you know, I've had not career-ending injuries, but definitely career-pausing in, uh, in injuries as well, and. It, it, it kind of tests the, the mental of us, doesn't it? To go, well, this is what I thought I was going to do. I'm not sure if this is going to be possible anymore. What went through your mind when? and, and what was the pain like when, you, when that happened?
1: Uh, <laughs> the pain, I don't remember. It's more <laughs> the head blowing up because everything you've been doing for every day for 14 years, Kind of goes out the window, so the pain's just there as a by a byproduct of of everything falling down um I don't know what happened actually i i i went back home, you did the surgery. they tell you this is not fixable. you can walk, you can probably ski, but you can never race again um i <laughs> i went to see a psychologist uh, kind of just to chair everything up my my coach wanted me to do that i took one session uh after looking in the mirror going you are super you are super 20 times (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: (laughs) I'm good enough enough, (laughs) i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me
1: (laughs) yeah so i kind of just left the room and didn't go back um but i did go on a, a um two weeks a uh, holiday trip to, to Greece with a friend uh, ended up no money after one week uh, thinking, should we call back home to our parents and ask for money? No, we started to work instead. So we found some day jobs uh, actually made us through the last week. And when the plane left, we were actually at the airport. When the plane left, we, uh, we decided to just stay there. And the first trip that was supposed to be two weeks was six months traveling down in in, uh, um, the the, East Israel, Greece, uh, Cyprus area. Is that when you got into
0: bartending?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of learn a couple of tricks. It's cheesy-wise, but you learn a couple of tricks where somebody asks you, do you know how to bartend? You say, well, yeah. (laughs) 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 i mean i know how to
0: drink so i probably know how to bartend right i can i can
1: open a beer (laughs) (laughs) and they ask you can you make a margarita and you look at them and you go well yes i know how i make it but how do you want me to make it and they they tell you the recipe and they just copy it and they kind (laughs) of look like yeah (laughs) yeah i can i
0: can open a beer i can pour you some shots how do you make your margarita i can totally do that too (laughs) so okay so that's fun kind of going into that little little journey as well and then you explored which is a, actually a i don't know if it's a passion passion might be strong but i do enjoy it quite a bit um the world of whiskey and uh I, you did you say glenn Levitt or glenn No, uh, glenn Levitt. glenn Levitt and, and jameson i mean those are two of my go-tos when i go out a lot so what was that experience like
1: That was uh, an incredible journey. Uh, That was still being young, having time to work when everybody goes to sleep. You kind of wake up and go to work, so it's good fun. Um, The aspect of whiskey has been a favorite for me for a long time before I did this. But when you make spirits, uh, there's a bunch of them on the market that are really, really, really good. But they are manufactured good uh, when you get a whiskey, you get the the grinds from the the, the, the fields um, you put them you make the spirits, you put them in in barrels, and you kind of just cross your fingers and hope it's good in ten years from now so every Everything is controlled of course, by what they buy, but you can have a hundred cases of of whiskey or barrels of whiskey and some of them would be super unique because of the wood has been oxidizing in a different way and those go into super super bottles and sell for three times this much. so it's kind of uh, unique how the process goes to becoming a a good whiskey so i was fortunate enough to work with panori card who has a big range of wines and whiskies um i was there for two months and then my sales manager asked me, Julius, do you like whiskey? I said, yes. While we need <laughs> whiskey, do you want to go to Scotland and get trained? I said, yes, <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a couple of weeks in, in Scotland running around on distilleries and got the education from Shiva's brothers. So that was ah, very yes. nice. Ended up with um, with uh, the ambassador uh, title of Glen David and Jameson, and traveled around in Norway for a couple of years, training, uh, doing testings and uh, exhibitions, and yeah, putting even whiskies to food menus in restaurants. So it was quite nice. <laughs>
0: uh, I'd like to have that job right now. Is there is there an open position?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> I'd like to have that there job comes, and take over maybe the, the
1: North American branch. Yeah, but there's something unique about let's say I I'm maybe a bit branded, but let's take a Glynvit fifteen uh on the French oak barrels that gives that sting uh of the tannins in, in that barrel. And they kind of peel off as pepper uh when you get them on the tongue. So you can actually use whiskey as a substitute to um to taste up the food uh with different spices. So when you when you know what to look for, it's kind of kind of unique.
0: Uh, yeah and i i don't i'm I guarantee you I don't know as much as you do um and certainly not as much as other experts as well but uh I've definitely utilized whiskey in that way to my uh amateur capabilities uh as well as as wine but yeah whiskey tequila wine um they enhance the food, but a lot of times people utilize whiskey for a cigar night, and that's a lot of yeah. times what I'll use it for as well as Hanging out with some friends, having some whiskey, smoking a cigar and telling stories. They're great for storytelling.
1: They are, but I'll pitch in one more there and then that is whiskey with the tannins coming off the barrels. Uh, if you have those who are from the freshness of the, the Highlands, uh, you can actually use a whiskey before you have a dinner to open up the mouth and get every every taste unit in the tongues and the, the mouth coming out. Cause They release a lot of of stuff in in your mouth and on your tongue that opens up you to taste more. So you can actually use a whiskey as an aperitif to get a better food down the line.
0: You know, I could go on on this topic all day. We may never get to your robotics uh, and automation (laughs) cell here, Julius, but... I do appreciate you sharing that. And I would like to segue into uh, your current position and current role because you and I had previously spoke uh, before realizing we wanted to do a podcast together about the capability of SmartShift. And, yes. and I would like for you to share a, a bit more in detail about the unique unique capabilities of what you guys do and why it's expanded so quickly globally and the realization that people have when they see your products. Would you mind expanding on that a little bit?
1: I can, but I'll, I'll, I'll start by jumping into the collab- collaborative robot world, if that's right. Because Absolutely, that, yeah. That, that opened up a field that uh, has so much potential, and there's a lot of new robots coming in. There's a lot of new equipment coming in on the market now. Uh, Back in the day when Espen Östergård started this, uh, he was pretty much alone. He invented this in a basement down in Denmark. Uh, He was there, I think it was through two or three years after his uh, college was finished. He was hiding out in the college basement uh, in a small closet down there. Uh, He invented a a small robot arm that could do uh, HMS uh, tasks that help people uh, that do re- repeated tasks not being doing a repeated task, basically. So um, from the day one there, uh, I think it was the Americans that actually chipped in the money to get this up and rolling. And um, that opens up the field for so many new application uses. Instead of rolling in something with a forklift, you can actually pick it up and use it as a tool and take it from one place to another place. Uh, in up or running pretty fast uh it's steerable very easy uh at least at some level uh I could help people pour water out of a bottle into a glass without even touching a robot before in fifteen minutes uh at least the u r version where i i'm I'm tutored so it's kind of unique and when I got into the u r um Let's just call it sales. Looking for applications, you you look around, you see, oh, I can do something there. Oh, I can do something there. But what you kind of get the stop of is um, investment. The the board says no, we don't have the investment. It's it's not a long term uh, project going on. Uh, so you get a lot of no's because uh, the the investment is too high in in comparison to the ROI. And uh, one of the things that I, at least I, immediately start to think about was what what more can I do with this? Because if you Google collaborative i robots on on Google now, you'll see 24/7 operations, 24/7, 24/7. Uh, yes, in many many tasks that actually happens, but at a lot of the time you bolt something down and it's just doing 30% welding, for instance. Well, then you're 70% short of your 24/7 operations. So if you can do more tasks, that would be a humongous benefit for for the collaborative world, at least the collaborative world. Um, So when I saw this tool, I know tool changers are on the market, of course. Uh, Some of them are high profession than what they do. So our colleagues in the the tool change business, I have a lot of support for all of them on the market. I think we do a, a great job. And like the collaborative robots, where you are started the process, I think it's forty-eight or forty-nine collaborative robots on the market now. Uh, someone started the tool change system. Well, we're a lot of us now, so we will have more influence down down the road, and we're we're just one of them. Um, So when I started using the Buin in my own sales, I could go from, yes, I see you're using your welding 30% over there, but if you twist your head around on the other side of the room, there's also a grinding application for 30% over there, and you have something for 20% down there. So if you now can just move your robot around, well, then you're back to at least 90% 24-7. Your ROI's down payment is really fast, and you can actually afford this. So now you can go to your board and ask for the money. So the tool change system opens up a variety of, I don't know how many tasks, we can go into the kitchen, we can go into uh, the bakery, a machine shop, CNC machining, wood shop, it doesn't matter, whatever kind of tools you have, you can just put it on the robot and it will do exactly what you do with your hand, so my love for this is seeing how much more benefit you can get out of the already existing benefit which is the collaborative robot coming on the market uh and scaling up the usage of it basically
0: yeah you mentioned a lot in that julius um and to me it's it's fascinating and the reason i I use fascinating instead of just immediately going into some questions is because you know, this world so much better than I do. Um, And obviously you come from a world of of sales. Um, And you mentioned when I first took this job, I knew that it was the the future, but I thought that they were going to need somebody technical. And then in this part of the conversation, you mentioned that when I first started doing this and to reiterate, coming from a sales background, you could have it working, doing a, you know, pouring a drink or whatever you wanted to do within 15 minutes which to me proves the the simplicity or the, the ability to for most of us to learn this somewhat quickly. Um, that's kind of what you're prescribing for people, right? Is the ability to learn something that can really be useful, that will generate a, a quick ROI um, due to the unique uh, capabilities of SmartShift that you can now pitch to an owner or a buyer or a company and go, Look Look how easy it is and look how quickly it's going to make you money.
1: Yeah, uh, I can only mirror Norway the best because I've been traveling around here that much. But in Norway, we have a lot of businesses where dad is still running the shop uh, and dad is close to 70. He doesn't want to give up or hand in the towel yet. So he's been doing stuff this way for 50 years, and it's frightening to do, to go outside of that box. Uh, and I, that's, that's fair. I mean, that's the world. Um, they have control of everything. But when the son comes in or the daughter comes in, uh, they come with a new view, but dad's still running the shots. So when we get out there and speak to them, the son or the daughter who's going to manage the company, they're all in. Uh, but we kind of get stopped by uh the the uh the um what do you call it the uh the way it's been done uh like like always so the what we're trying to describe for the market when we go out and pitch this is that if you go out and ask someone and i did this actually at, at uh i did a couple of, of school sessions where you go out to schools and tell them about the collaborative worlds and what what the future will be like and every time I see a, a person in the middle of the classroom is kind of hiding away, I'll point out and say, hey, you're, you're super lucky. And he goes, well, who, me? Yeah, yeah, you. Why? Uh, because my, I have an uncle. He's going out of his job now. He's being retired. He's been doing a job taking something from position A to position B. He's doing that for 30 years. And that job will be open from next week. It's yours. You want it? And he goes, uh, no, well, why not? <laughs> no, I'm going to be an engineer. Okay. You're the next guy. Do you want the job? No, I'm going to be a welder. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be, they all want professions. And, and that's the way we, as people and human want to live our lives. We're, we're supposed to strive for new energy and new uh, qualities and new, uh, capabilities. Uh and that that season, let's call it that season of doing A to B positioning, that's not romantic anymore for people. Uh they want to do something outside of that box. So what we can provide them with is a tool, not a robot, a tool that can do that A to B positioning. And when it's that easy, that I can help you pour water from a bottle to a glass in 15 minutes, that's the easy tasks, of course. Uh, then We can actually show them by bringing the robot in because it's that light as well. So you can bring the robot in, put it on the table and say, well, push the arrow to the left. Now push it to the right and then push the button in the middle. When it done that a couple of times, it's actually running from A to B. So that's how easy it's been uh, and has become. Um, That's why I love this collaborative world. I don't know anything about going inside a big... Uh, industrial robot i'm not a technician but if i from my background without any um, technical training can do this uh, pretty much anybody can
0: you know i've actually heard that repeated um and not everyone's the same i know your company is different from other companies that i've worked with and um everyone everyone has their own I guess, focus on where they excel compared to someone they might consider a competitor. But the sentiment is often very, very similar, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, folks, don't be afraid. This is simpler than you think. Automation is not taking jobs, it's adding jobs. And let these robots do the mundane work that we're tired of doing so we can get back to our creativity. Do you find that similar s- statement where you are?
1: Yeah. And and that's always a, a, let's say, let's call it a conflict discussion where people get frightened. No, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to, uh, you're going to kick people away. Um, I can try to squeeze in a parallel where if I take a small town up in the mountains here in Norway. This is actually true. Uh, it's almost, not everything, but it's almost based on three supplying manufacturers of, of knives and forks. Um, one of them flagged out, and there's maybe 3,000 3, people living up there. One of them flagged out, that's 94 positions that were out the window. So now they're making Norwegian, Norwegian knives with a Norwegian flag uh, out of Korea or somewhere. Uh, those 94 positions are now off the table, but it's not just only those 94. It's the other 94 wives and uh, husbands and then the kids. And then suddenly now 250 people out of those 3,000 are leaving uh, to get a job somewhere else. And then the next one says he doesn't want to automate because it's too uh, high a cost in comparison to what we can get out of it. Now they're going to fall off the charts. Uh, if the last one leaves as well, there's maybe half of the community gone out the window. And when the half of the community gone, nobody can go to the local store. Nobody can go to the hairdresser or to the gasoline station. So they have to run it out of their business. And uh, then suddenly the whole... Mountain uh, community is down because they didn't want to follow up on what's actually happening around the world, and that's stepping up the game, getting the not maybe not ahead of the competition, but just at least keeping up with them.
0: I yeah, I I think that makes sense to me, Julius. Um, something I like to do on this show, and you've listened uh, to some of the other podcasts, so you probably know this already. And the the folks who have listened week in and week out know what I'm getting ready to ask as well, but the people that come on this show, I believe have incredible value um, and wisdom and and I think it's important to uh to ask everyone that comes on, including yourself, Julius, as I value you as a person and as a business uh, mentor um, a piece of advice so you're in the world of automation uh you're in the world of you know conveying a message that allows us to hopefully have better lifestyles in that world of robotic and automation maybe it's about safety or cleanliness or removing the redundancy or uh, producing more output in, that, in, in any work world we're in, if we can run lights out kind of a situation and the ability to have confidence in doing so uh, immediately for the most part. So I guess my question to you, um, what advice would you offer? And I have three groups I like to speak to and it's up to you to decide Who you'd like to speak to of course but the three main groups are what advice would you offer for someone who's looking to get into this industry but is kind of riding the fence or to the person who's already here but would like to figure out how to grow more within the industry or the person who's been doing it so long that they're a little bit stagnant and bored at the moment and just you know kind of just dreaming about retirement at this point and might need a little inspiration so your choice Uh, But what kind of advice would you offer coming from uh, Norway and having a unique perspective for our global audience in in your world?
1: Hmm. Uh, Thank you for the question, Tony. uh no i think you just rounded it up just before you ask your question and that is this information that i'm also speaking is is already on the table many have heard them before and the first group already hopefully has received this information that you should get on board the train before it's leaving uh i i would speak to this second group who's started this because they are already in in um in growth modus or whatever you can call it i would believe i would meet someone that put a robot or a conveyor or something and it's up and running and they kind of tap self on the shoulder and say yeah we did it um but that's when the fun starts that's when you actually can start look around and if you If you were to to look at the down payment scale of what you've done and start to actually uh, qualify the calculation of that, you'll see that if you put in something that costs you something, you will go into minus, of course, it's red, because you invested in something. And it will take you that long to get into number two because the, the money is out of your pocket. So if you can find out if it's... Seven months, nine months, 15 months, doesn't matter. Somewhere across that time, you will cross the line again up to zero because your payback is there. Wait just as long for the next period. So if it takes you nine months to get to zero, well, then wait nine more months if that, that's what it takes. Because after nine new more months, then you've earned the same as you invested in the first one. And now you have a freebie on the second one. When you waited another nine months, you now have two times the freebie and then four times and then eight times. So you can actually invest in your time by adding the value you are now earning by your first installation. Do you get that point?
0: (laughs) I do. Yes. And I think that's that's great advice. Um, And I appreciate you sharing that with us. So last thing before, uh, before I let you get back to your life, I know that uh, it's, it's late for you and it's early for me being in, in Norway. I think you're five, six hours ahead of me. Um, so I really, really appreciate your time, Julius. Um, where can people find you? Once they listen to this podcast, once this is released and they go, man, that Julius guy, I'd like to talk to him more. I think, uh, think SmartShift is a good company. I'd like to learn more about them, the company as well. Um, where can we find you? social medias, websites? Where? What's the best way to, to contact you?
1: Best way to contact me is through uh, LinkedIn, I would say. Uh, find Julius Skulstad or SmartShift Robotics uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, we're pretty active out there. And of course, through the webpage. Uh, the way we set up our system is that we are uh, we're still searching for partners. We have uh, we have a lot of them now, but we can have five times as much to cover the globe because of the interest. So we will be leaning everything we do through our partners. So sp- yes, speak to me, but I'll also push you over to the local ones so you have local expertise where you are at. So um, lean into SmartShift Robotics on our webpage or mail me or even call me. Uh, if I don't pick up the phone in the because of the U.S. hour's time, just leave a message and I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> but that will be the best way. Um, uh, yeah, that will be basically be, be the best way. Or we, again, we have partners already in the U.S. that we work with. And if you want a local guy, I will definitely answer and support everything you want in information but i will support my partners also out there because i would like them or you guys to have people visiting you and seeing the things instead of me in in, uh, assuming something over the phone you should have local expertise
0: well you know what assumption does i'm not sure if you've heard that all i'm not even sure if it's an american saying or if it's a global saying but Assuming makes an ass out of you and me. So let's not do that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julius, thank you so much for being a part of the gun show, sharing your wisdom, uh, teaching me a bit more about smart shift and and robotics and automation in general. Um, I definitely find value in the future of of that aspect of the business. I think it's a rocket ship taking off. Um, And thank you to all of our listeners as well around the world. Thank you for uh, joining us on the gun show. And I hope this has been educational for all of you. And uh, again, let's just keep creating awareness and authenticity for anyone out there who'd like to be a part of the gun show. Uh, Find me on LinkedIn. I'm not tough to find. Um, Shoot me a message and let's talk about it. Julius, once again, you are a privilege. Thank you so much, my friend. (laughs) It's my pleasure, Tony. Thanks. Cheers. And uh, good night from Norway, I think.